this morning, I'm going to read some scriptures to you, and there's going to be some scriptures up on, on the board here. Okay? So you need a Bible, and the reason why I do that is so you'll stay with me. Okay? So if the scriptures are up there, and all you've got to do is just sit there. Movement can be a godsend when you're listening to people. So I'm going to start off with 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. And 1 Corinthians chapter 20, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, it asks us a distinct question, such as, where is the wise man? Where is the scholar or the philosopher of this age? He's challenging the wisdom of this world, and he's asking this world, hey world, on your best day, show me your wisest man, show me your best scholar of this age, and then he says, has has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? That's a bold statement. Since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, the one who who holds all things together. God was pleased through the foolishness what was preached to save those who believe. So you and I, who believe, he, he chose foolishness to show us his wisdom. Yes? And then he says this, Jews demand miraculous signs. Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. So the Jews look for miracles. Charismatics look for miracles. Skeptics look for miracles. The Greeks look for wisdom and knowledge and information that will provide them with wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. So there is a third alternative. There's miracles. Where do miracles come from? There is wisdom, knowledge, and all that kind of stuff. But then we preach Christ crucified. So let's just stay with that a minute. Why? Because he's a stumbling block to the Jews. And he's foolishness to the Gentiles. So the very thing that seems stupid is actually the best weapon. Yes? So when you're talking to someone who's very, very smart and very, very intelligent, and I'm looking at a group of people this morning, the best thing you can do is preach Christ crucified because in preaching Christ crucified, there's a wisdom that the world has not yet seen and needs to see. Amen? But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks... Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. Jesus, I was up to you until you insulted me. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. For the foolishness of God. So I would rather be a fool for Christ than be smart for the world. Now, I need to be smart in the world. So he's not saying don't have any wisdom, don't have any intelligence. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is don't put your faith and your pride and your arrogance in that. So we know we need wisdom. We know we need intelligence. Nothing gets done without intelligence. Don't be so spiritual and minded that you know earthly good. 
But in your earthly good, you better be spiritual minded. Amen? But the world doesn't make room for God, for Christ, in its wisdom. Because he thinks we're doing fine, just fine without you. Oh, you think so, dear? Oh, you think so? See, science keeps, have you noticed, science, every time there's a new breakthrough in science, in knowledge and wisdom, it has to have a funeral. Think, think about that for a second. Why does it have to have a funeral? To realize it was wrong on the last prediction they made. Yeah? So it keeps having funerals. Now, that's not my phrase. That's um, a guy called Planck, a German, Professor Planck, who got the Nobel Peace Prize, who kept and he was a theoretical or rhetoric um, philosopher, kept saying that every time science has a breakthrough, it has to keep having funerals. It buries itself. Because it can't compete with God's wisdom. The more we discover things about our universe, the more science thinks, ah, we were wrong. Ah, we were, ah, yeah, we might have to change something on that. The more, you know, we keep breakthrough, we realize actually we might, the, the old theory of coming from animals might be just a little bit stupid. What, you've taken how many years for you to discover that? Ah, yeah, well, uh, we're not quite sure how old the earth is now. Well, shut up then. Shut up talking to us like you do know what's going on. Amen? So, let's put, where's the, how do we get that? Ah, Proverbs. We all love Proverbs, don't we? And we all love Chinese Proverbs. Chinese Proverbs, Chinese Proverbs. A proverb can be very inspiring sometimes. And a Chinese Proverb says this, a small hole, not mended. Irene, you might know about this, working for the companies you work, the Mancunian Way. I always wind Irene up because she works for the Highways Agency. Because when are you going to fix the Mancunian Way? When are you going to fix it for me? She goes, I'll have a word with them on Monday. So a small hole, you know, take this and leave it on the desk. A small hole, not mended in time, will become a big hole, much more difficult to mend. Yeah? And when you get cutbacks, government cutbacks, that's exactly what happens. Now, is that wisdom? Of course it is. It's wisdom. A small hole, if you don't fix a small hole, by, the, by wear and tear, stress and strain, it will naturally get bigger and then it'll cost you more, more time, more energy. But the trouble is, some holes you can't fix, like the Mancunian way. Right? The Mancunian way, how long has it been? It's a hole. No one told us how deep it was. They just said, there's a hole there. So, this Chinese proverb is actually quite smart. Because we like proverbs. Chinese proverbs are quite intelligent. So, when the... When the humanists and the secularists and the atheists and the scientists and any, anything else with an ist on the end, yeah, the philosopher, the scholar, when they dig a hole they, and when they get new revelations, new breakthroughs, they realize that the hole they dug is getting more and more bigger that they can't fill it in. And God's allowing them to keep creating this hole that they're all going to fall in. Why? He says, guys, I'm going to bury you in that hole if you keep digging it. Yes? So, scientists and all the other is like to create the morals, the ethics. They like to tell you what is acceptable for this life. The Chinese proverb says, a small hole, not mended. Well, that word small 
we, it, we, as a context, what is a small hole in one area can be a bigger hole in another area. We have a small hole in our budget. Yes. The council says we have a small hole. The government says, no, it's a big hole. That's why you're getting small amounts of money. It's amazing how the government give the councils small amounts of money to fix a big-sized problem. Yeah? God never gives you small amounts. God gives you what's needed for the job. Have you noticed that? So, <clears throat> there are many holes in this modern thinking then. There's many holes in this age, you should say. There are many holes in, in, in philosophy. There's many holes in, in people's thinking. There's many holes in people's behavior. We have a society of dysfunctional people telling us that there is holes everywhere. Would you agree? Yeah. This holes in your children's thinking. This holes in your thinking. Yeah? And my mother was great. Whenever she saw a hole in any garment, she began to fix the small hole because she knows me will make it bigger and then it'll go beyond repair. Then you have to throw it away. Start again. Yeah, well, it's not easy to throw a road away, is it? You can't just throw a road away. But if you don't do something, some things will erode away. Yeah? So Proverbs, Proverbs says this, there is a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, what does it do? It leads to death. So between the so-called wisdom of this world, yeah, the start, the wisdom, the philosopher, the wise man, the scholar, the average guy in the street thinks there is a way that seems better. He thinks there's a way that's better than following Christ. Our education system thinks there's a better way than listening to Christ or having prayer in the morning or in a morning assembly. Everyone's got an opinion. Everyone thinks there's a better way. But the word there seems right. It seems right to a man, but in the end, he comes to his big hole. It comes to his big hole eventually. You cannot run away from the hole. Now, the thing is this is, there's a, big, big, there's a much bigger hole waiting for man at the end of his life than, he, than he's ever bargained for. But there's a way. And as long as there's a way that seems right, people will still push that way and keep pushing that way because it seems, it appears right to them. But really, in one context, it's not that it appears. The alternative isn't better. They don't like the alternative. They don't want Christ, so they'll push and push and push and push and push because I don't want the alternative. True? And that's why it's called foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are saved and called, it's wisdom. Yes? We realized there was holes in our life. And when Christ shed, you know, his love in our hearts, we realized that there was a much bigger hole waiting for us. And it's now better for let Christ into our lives, fix this. You know, how many times do you hear people say, there was something missing in my life? So there was a hole in your life then. And you know, even with Christ, many people still live with holes. Oh yeah, Christ gives you his heart, his life, but you've got to then make choices 
to let him become Lord of your life. Amen? So, there's another scripture that you'll, you'll probably all be familiar with, and it says from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, 9, two are better than one. So let's get two involved now in this hole. Because they have a good return for their work, but if one falls down, falls down where? In the hole. His friend can help him. Now, where's his friend? Outside the hole. So one, let's just, in this context, there's many reasons why a person can fall into a hole. Let's just say the man in the hole has got, hasn't got the wisdom. He's got the wisdom of this world. But the man outside the hole has got the wisdom of God. So the man inside the hole is struggling because he's inside the hole. But the man outside, that's you and me, has got his right arm, left arm, both arms, to pull them out and help them out the hole. So we've got the strength to pull people out of the hole. How many of you agree with that? But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. That's why you can never be an in, just an individual in the church. That's why if you isolate yourself in a church, you'll fall in holes and there'll be no one to pull you out. That's why we're connected. God's put us in a family. Amen? So there are two options, aren't there? There is to live life as the, as, uh, according to the wisdom of the world, or there is a choice to live life according to the wisdom of God. But here's the, the killer scripture. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21. I'll read it to you. It's a great verse. Elijah went, and it's about Elijah talking to the prophets of Baal, and it says, Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, let's say Baal, Baal is a, a God, a God can be a philosophy, a God can be a world system, a God can be anything that you make as a substitute for the real thing. Yeah, that's a God. But if, if it's him, follow him. And here's, listen to the response of the people. But the people said nothing. Now, the Proverbs also says, a man who says nothing can look wise. No, it's not. In this modern day law, we're told, plead the Fifth Amendment if you're an American citizen. Right? Be smart, say nothing. By saying nothing, you don't incriminate yourself, right? But that's not smart. That's just a bit of technicality. At some point, you're going to have to talk. And you're going to have to argue your way out the hole you've got yourself into. You, you know, because if you don't talk, you, you know, eventually the bigger hole's waiting for you. So metaphorically speaking, a hole can also be a path. It can be a gate. There are many terms Use phrases used in, in the scripture and in life to mean the same thing. So a gate, a path, a door, a hole, all are all the same thing. Yes? If you fall in one hole, was it Alice in Wonderland? She fell in a hole and came out in, in Wonderland. Yeah? Chronicles of Narnia, they go through a wardrobe and come out the back of the wardrobe into another place. So doors, gates, holes, can lead you into somewhere else. But eventually, the Bible, the kind of hole the Bible's talking about is that it leads you to hell. So, Matthew says this. Sorry. 
Let me go back. Sorry, Psalm 16, 11 says, you have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasure at your right hand. So you have made known to me. Now listen to the two uh, opinions here. There is a way that seems right to a man. So we're not quite sure. There's a way that seems right. But the psalmist says, but you have made known to me the path. So one's a bit ambiguous. One's not quite sure because it appears as if it's the right way. But the other one says, no, 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 no. You have made known to me the path of life. So now there's an assurance and a certainty that the path I'm on is the right path. Everybody needs that assurance that the path they're on, yes, is the right path. But how many Christians, you say, I'm not quite sure if this is what the Lord wants. At some point, you've got to know. I understand there's times when you're not quite sure, but it must eventually bring you into being sure. Amen? Before you stand on, the, on that path, because that path, potentially the wrong one, is going to have holes on it. I'll tell you in a minute. I'll show you that in a minute. So, like I say, metaphorically speaking, paths, doors, gates, holes are all choices and directions that people take. Would you believe that? So, let me go back to me. You've made known to me the path of your life. Let me go to the next one. Enter through the narrow gate. Matthew seven thirteen. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate... And broad is the road that leads to what? Destruction. So there's the end again. There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to, right? And it says here, broad is the road that leads to destruction. See, Bible keeps telling people this is the end result. But the wisdom of so-called man keeps saying, no, 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 there's a way that seems better. There's a way where I don't have to give up my flesh. There's a way where I don't have to surrender. There's a way where I don't have to go to church and sing hallelujah. It's not uncool. There's a way where I don't have to talk about Jesus. There's a way where I can do what I want and, and, and be free to do what I want and have no restrictions on my life. Okay, but it will lead to a bigger hole. It will lead to a bigger hole. Eventually, you will end up so deep that you can't get in or get out. Amen? And the Chinese proverb will come to pass. And then what you say is, you know what I'll do? I'll fix it just when I'm on my hospital bed. What, you really think you have the energy and the cognitive power to be able to say, nah, yeah, now I'm at the end. Because you never know when you're at the end. And that's when the hole's so big, you don't have the power to fill it in. Now, you might be saved. But you still may be on the wrong path. You still may be on a path that leads to the flesh killing you. If you live a self-indulgent life, guess what? Flesh will take you down. Flesh will take you down. Oh, for sure it will. So, just as there are... Let me go back, sorry. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate that... And broad is the road. So there's a road that's wide and it's broad. 
and it leads to destruction, and many enter through that. But there is a small road on the other side of the Mancunian Way where people can pass. But on one side of the Mancunian Way, there's a massive great big hole, but on the other side of the Mancunian Way, we can pass through. For how long, we don't know. Every time I go over that road picking cattle up for work, I travel that road by faith. Because if that road can open up and just swallow up, what's to say 500 yards down the road, he can't do it again? And he did it when it rained. And pardon me, it's not stopped flipping raining for the last two months. So the whole thing to me is dodgy. So every time I pick Caleb, I'm thinking... I'm thinking, now's a good time to find an alternative route. So I have done many, many times. <laughs> I have done many times. So just as there are two paths, there are also, and you think, where's he going with this? Just as there are two paths, there are two bowmen with arrows. Every path, as a bowman with an arrow. You didn't know that, did you? Well, see, you listen to the wisdom of the world, now listen to the wisdom of the wise. Ephesians 6.11 says this. Now he's talking to you. He's talking to believers. Put on the full armor of God. Now, when someone tells you to put something on, it's because he knows something that's coming. Yeah? If your mother says to you, get your shoes on, it means you're going somewhere. Get dressed, we're going somewhere. Yes? True? So when he says, put on the full armor of God, there's something coming. So that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. So he's making the devil and his schemes a picture of focus here. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, powers, <coughs> excuse me, of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Okay, get it so far. Put on the full armor of God. Again, he's telling us twice now. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm. Then with the belt of truth, buckle around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness and with the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flames, or in another verse, all the arrows, of the evil one. So the evil one has a bow and an arrow. True? Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of of God. So he's telling us there's going to be certain kinds of arrows coming to create a pothole on your road. Hello? There's going to be fiery arrows coming on your road, which is going to create potholes, which in one sense can be a distraction, a derailment, it can even be your death. If you're not putting on the full armor. So if you're going to walk for Christ, there's going to be a, there's, there's a, there's a narrow path. But even on your narrow path, the enemy fires arrows on your path. Your path is not untouchable. You're untouchable. 
if you remain in Christ. Right? In other words, it can kill the flesh, it can kill the, it can kill the flesh, but it can't kill the seed. That's inside of you. But many of us say, I don't even want him to kill my flesh. Flesh hurts when, it, when it's in pain. So, on this path, there's going to be arrows. True? But at least be on the right road. So, he says, put on the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. In other words, get dressed, because combat is coming on your road. And the enemy will look for the times when you're in the open. When you look like you are a, a free shot. He's going to take a shot at you when you're not expecting it. But if you put the right armor on, you can extinguish the flames and the arrows of the enemy. Amen. He's telling us this. So, when we speak of arrows being fired, think of it this way. They're launched towards me. Why? Because inside of me and you is Christ. But if you're going nowhere with Christ, you ain't a target. Oh, now I've upset you all. So you've got Christ. Big deal. But if you're going nowhere with Christ and doing nothing for Christ, you are not a target. It's the one who rises with Christ, doing something for Christ, who becomes a target. For the Christian who just goes to church, reads his Bible, what, what, the only weaponry you need is a pen and pad, if that. If that. But for the one who wants to rise and do something and follow and do what Christ tells them to do, he's going to need, she's going to need, they're going to need weaponry and armor. Amen? See, Satan isn't worried about people who meet on a Sunday. He's not worried. They're, they're not his issue. Satan's more concerned with those who want to take it out and live it. That's his real enemy, not someone who comes to church. So, when the arrows come our way, have you noticed they come inside your mind? Yeah? And they come as inner impressions, don't they? You have thoughts, and you wrestle against a thought. That's why the scripture says we have to take every thought captive. Yeah? They come as impressions. They come as, uh, as philosophies. They come as pictures in our minds. They come as emotional surges to do something. Yes? You fight with all kinds of emotions. Then they come into your imagination. And from the imagination then, an action or a movie begins to be played out, which again releases the emotions and the desire to go and act out what's going through your mind. So whether that's unforgiveness towards somebody, you'll act it out. Whether that's love towards somebody, you'll act it out. Whether that's sexuality towards somebody, you'll try and act it out. You'll look for ways to act it out. So these arrows come in moments when you don't want them. You're not looking for them. They're a distraction and a potential derailment. You sat in the most innocent place and a thought comes in your mind. You're thinking, where did that come from? What? And then you feel dirty. You feel guilty. You feel, um, oh God, God, ashamed is the word I'm looking for. Condemned. Why? Because thoughts got inside you that made you feel ugly inside. And you just think, I'm glad no one sees. But the thought is not the problem. It's actually dwelling on it and then allowing that thought to take us to another place. That's why we need the armor. 
That's why we need the shield of faith. That's why we need the helmet of salvation. That's why we need the sword of the spirit. That's why we need the belt of truth, the shoes. God's given you the full kit. So it's not the fact that these, these arrows come. It's recognizing it is an arrow on your path trying to create a pothole. Now, if you keep ignoring that small hole, what's going to happen? We're going to get to a big hole. Chinese proverb becomes our reality. Man who doesn't fix small hole is going to have a big problem, problem at the end because he's going to have a big hole. Yes? And he's not going to have the strength or the resources to fix it. Now we need someone who's not in the hole to help him out. That's if he's humble enough to go and ask. Yes? So arrows come into our mind. They come into our hearts. They come into our lives somehow. Other people, good friends, talking to us, release arrows into our life without them realizing. Some do it deliberately. Some do it innocently. But you still, it's still another entrance point trying to get in into our life. So there is a way that seems right to man. There's always a way that seems right to man. There's always a way that seems right to Christians. It's amazing how many people come to us and say, Pastor, we're doing this. Yeah, it seems right, and you try and give them wisdom, advice, but you know what? You know the shutter's down. So there's a way that seems right to them, and eventually, do you know what I say? You're probably right. After a while, you can't speak any sense. They're not open for wisdom. They're not open for listening. So you guess what? You're probably right. Go and do it, and guess what? You're going to have the experience that we don't want you to have. We don't want you to have this experience. Why? Because we can see there's a hole there. And guess what? We can see the potential for creating a bigger hole looms large. So when we come and give you the wisdom and you say no, we have no other option than to back away because we're only advisors. We're not controllers. And if we try to go any further, you say, this church is controlling. So that on our best day, we can only give you our best wisdom and our best advice. And then we say, let's hand you over to Mr. Experience. Now, the man, with the, argu- the man with the experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. So if someone's had that experience, you'd be wise to listen to them. Oh, no, no, I know a better way. There's a way that seems right. Guess what? You're probably right. But there is another way. It's called wisdom. But there's a way that seems right. You're probably right. So Jesus said... Oh, that one. Where's he gone? Oh, that's, that's Ephesians, sorry. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. Let's not make this thing ambiguous. See, this is the one verse, well, there's many verses. This is the one verse that gets every Christian in trouble when he's arguing with any other kind of religions. Because most religions would say that Jesus is just another way. Whoa, whoa, sorry. Whoa, Kimo Savi. Calm down. Let's calm down, write down. It's not a translation error here. Jesus answered, I am the way. Not, I am a way. I am the way. Lump it or like it, but this is it. Anyone, anyone trying to go another way will find himself in a bigger hole. But bring your hole to this way, and you'll straight, straight away you find your hole is filled. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. It doesn't get any more clearer than that. I'm the way, the truth, the life. No, not, not that I'm a way that appears right, seems right. No, I am. I am. You've got to understand that word, I am. 
I am the way. And I'll always be the way. Now listen, here's the, here's the, the, the delusion Christians fall into. They think they give their lives to Jesus, and whenever, whenever they hear someone say, I'm the way, sorry, he's not talking to me, I found it. But when you're still doing your own thing, and you're still living according to the way that seems right, then guess what? You haven't discovered the truth is still the way. Because to discover the way, you can't do it without the truth. Truth is the way. Truth provides the life. Amen? Truth provides the life. Truth provides the life. So, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through. Not to, through. Through me. Through me. Why does he say through? Because if you come to me, you'll just come to what I did. But if you come through me, you have to accept who I am. Most Christians come to the cross get forgiveness and stay there, but because they're never taken through the cross into the victorious Christian life, they never discover the way. Yeah? You can't just bring someone to Christ and leave them there and say, now he's forgive you, go and do what you want. You must bring him through the cross. Yes? So the thief comes to steal, and so the thief straight away is looking for another way. Think about this. The thief comes to steal, and he's coming for another way. He doesn't come in through the legitimate way. He doesn't come through the door. He tries to find another exit, or another entrance, should say, to, to get himself into. So he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and I have come that you may have life, and have to the full. So we see the two opposites again. Christ and the devil. The devil's looking for a way to steal what Christ has given you. Yes? And the, the Lord has provided a way to take back what the enemy stole from you. Yes? One's looking for a way, one provided the way. Does that make sense? The enemy is always looking for a way, knowing he's the way. Knowing Christ is the way. Jesus said, look, I am the way, I don't have to figure it out, I provided the way. Me and the Father don't have to have a consultation to think, how are we going to get A to B? No, we are the way. So, I'm the way, the life, and I've and have it to the full. I'm a good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Why? So that you don't have to keep falling in holes. Hello? You don't have to keep falling in holes. If you keep falling in the same hole, guess what? How stupid are you? Or is that too simple? So a little fellow who comes to this church, and there's quite a lot of little fellows in this church, but one of them says, if you're going to make a, new mis- if you're going to make a mistake, make sure it's a... Right. He's not here this weekend. He's in a love weekend this week. It's Andrew's birthday, so he took her away. I said, second, what are you bringing her back? He said, yeah, I'm bringing her back. But I'm the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. In other words, Jesus is tarmac all the way. There's a road, there's a way, there's a truth, and there's a life. He's not like one of those East European roads with potholes and Holes in it. And when you're going from, well, years ago, when you were going from the, east to, uh, from the west to the east, there used to be a road, they called it the Corridor. And the Corridor was just tutum, 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 for miles and miles and miles and miles. And when the wall came down, the Berlin Wall, that is, straight away, all the constructors came in and tarmac. Now it's like you're in heaven. 
well, it was. Now, probably that road's got doom, 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 because now maintenance has to come in and management has to come in. So Isaiah says this. So we've been there, haven't we? He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. Remember, two bowmen firing arrows. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow, and he concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, you're my servant, Tony. You're my servant, whoever your name is, in whom I will display my splendor. I'm going to show through you that there's another way. I'm going to show them through you there is another way. I'm going to show you I'm going to show them through you that there is a truth and that there is a life. I'm going to show this world through you. You are my vessel. You getting this? Hello? Through you, I need to show the rest that what you've known, what you've got hold of, is the truth, the way, the life. So you must have a life, you must have a truth. Yeah, and you must have a way. So he says this, I'll display my splendor. But I said, I have labored for no purpose. In other words, I've tried things that appeared, seemed a better way. I tried them. But I've spent my strength in vain for nothing. No, hold, hold on your horses, Kim Osave. No, you haven't. Why? Yet what is due to me is in the Lord's hand, and my reward is with my God. This my smart enough to know that at the end of this hole, there's a bigger hole. But guess what? God's got my, God's got my life. Because salvation hadn't been revealed at that time. But the prophets who walked with God believed in faith. They saw that day. But Hebrews tells us that they didn't see what you saw. They didn't enter in what you entered into. But they believed in faith nevertheless. So every path has arrows. So God sends arrows on your path and the enemy sends arrows on your path. But when God sends his arrows on your path, he sends them for a different reason than the enemy sends. The, the enemy sends arrows to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus sends arrows for a different purpose on your, uh, on your path. You see, he sends arrows to warn us. He sends arrows to equip us. He sends arrows of truth. He sends arrows of healing. He sends arrows of mercy. He sends many, many different arrows to keep you on that narrow path. Yes? Arrows are... These are not arrows that hurt you. These are arrows that equip you. These are, these are supernatural, divine arrows where the other arrows are satanic. They come to kill, destroy, undermine. They get in your imagination. They get in your emotions. They get in your thoughts. They get in your private life. They get everywhere. Yeah? But you know, there are many types of paths and arrows in life and one of the, the paths that get into our life, if we don't watch out, is adultery. Because we're flesh and blood. And I'm telling you what the paths are because Scripture outlines them for us. In Proverbs 5.1, he says, my son, my son. When he says my son, we're having a father-to-son talk. Yes? It's not a casual, well, my son. No, it's my son. Listen to the tone. My son, pay attention. To my wisdom. There's a way, son, that seems right to your mates. There's a way that seems right to your friends. There's a way that seems right to your work colleagues. They're going to, when you get back to work on Monday, they're going to discuss to you, some of them, what kind of weekend they had. They're going to discuss what kind of depravity they got into over the weekend. 
They're going to discuss, discuss the kind of good weekend they had. They're going to discuss all different types of uh, thoughts and experiences they had this weekend with you. But majority of young people are talking when they go out to work what their weekend was about, and it normally inv- involved women or men. Yeah? And in the sexual sense, I mean. They don't see it as adultery. They see it as opportunity. Hello? They just see it as opportunity. Why? To fulfill the hole that's inside them. It's a hole. But they call it an opportunity. But when you can't stay with one partner and you keep looking for someone else over there's a hole. Something's there. And Proverbs tells us, and it says this, My son, pay attention. Listen to my words of insight. What kind of words are they? Insight, that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. Now, an adulteress in this sense can be male or female. It's not a woman necessarily he's talking, but in one context he's talking to his son, so he's talking about a woman. But as we read it, male and female, we see it, it can mean anything. So we understand it's it's a little context, but we must understand the spiritual context. It's now uh, appealing to us as the reader. Yes? Because this will help us in the law of interpretation. Does that make sense? It says, so whether you're male or female, he said, it drips honey. Now, honey's sweet. Honey's nice. Honey's expensive. Organic honey is anyway. And her speech is smooth. Well, I've never known anyone who's not been chatted up by smooth speech. Yeah? That's why I'm so glad I caught mine a long time ago. <laughs> I don't know if I've got the language to go again. Yeah? I really don't know if I've got the language. They all say to Carol, it's too hard. It was hard once. I don't want to go through that again. She says, right, let that be, let that be a lesson to you. Absolutely, darling. For her lips, from the lips of an adulteress, drip on her and her... Speech is smoother than oil, but in the end, she is bitter as gall. So if she's called gall, then you know what you know what the end is. She's bitter. Why? Because at the end, she's going to leave you, or he's going to leave you, it's going to leave you with bitterness. Yes? But in the end, she's bitter than gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. You mean the same double-edged sword that you were given? She, you were given a double-edged sword as part of your spiritual armor. But she's using the same kind of sword to undo you. Oh. Her feet go down to death. In other words, she's got a big hole down there waiting for you. Why? Because she's got a lot of other guys down there and a lot of other women down there. To death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. Dun, dun, dun. He's exposed. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths, her paths, her paths are crooked. But she knows it not. So she's in the same hole that you're in. But because she's got charm or he's got charm, they're taking you into the same hole, which is the grave. We've been told to be careful of this. Hello? Now you say, well, it's all right, I've been married 30 years. You commit adultery with your eyes first before you ever commit it with the rest of your body. Yeah? 
Oh, well, I haven't touched another woman since the day I married my wife. What, with your eyes or your hands? Ah. Oh, okay. Because you know what? If you've got a pulse, there will be a day when your eyes go wandering. Wandering. And at that time, you've got a, that's a dart, that's an arrow flaming. You've got to, whoa, whoa, you've got to pull away from it and go the other way. Why? Because that small hole will take you to a bigger hole. And the more you keep focusing and letting your eyes go shopping, you're going to bring things home that you don't want to bring home. Yeah? So, if you've got a pen there, you want to, might want to write some of these paths down. I'm not going to can't go through them all. There's a path for the drunkard. What's the drunkard mean? You're just drinking more than you need to drink. Yeah? Years ago when we were in church, any drink for some people meant you had backslid. But as we got liberty in that, and we began to get more understanding in that, we realized having a drink was not sinful. It was the drunk. And what you do, how you let the drink get hold of your life, you realize it's drunk. But you talk to a, a, some, someone who's been an alcoholic, they'll say, no, drink's evil. No, it was evil for you. Not everyone's drunk who drinks. True? Not everyone who eats is gluttonous. But there's another path. Be careful of the path of the gluttonous. I don't hear anyone talking about gluttony in the church today. But you know why? Because many people will be offended. When, you look at you, when we look at our weight, guess what? He, you don't put weight on by looking at food. True? I've never known anyone who's put weight on by looking at food. Now, that's your conscience telling you there's a big hole there waiting for you if you eat that cake. Even with women with their three stomachs, dessert, main, and after. You see, now, I think that's gluttonous. Unless, unless we change we changed the last course for cheese and biscuits, then I'm in. No, we've got to ask ourselves how much do we really need to eat. Now, I'm not saying going out for a meal is wrong. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about generally now. Going out for a meal and, and someone's, you know, uh, whether someone's paying or not is irrelevant, but if someone's paying, you might think, well, but that's gluttonous right there. That's a poverty spirit right there. If someone's paying, you'll have something more. Shame on you. If you listen, if you're not paying for it, don't order it. And if someone's ordering, if someone's going to pay for it, have what you would have anyway if you were paying for it. It shouldn't, you know, all of a sudden now you think, whoa, sky's the limit. But this stomach can only eat so much anyway. So it doesn't matter if you're paying for it or not. I can only eat what I can eat. But we've got to ask ourselves, gluttony is a sin. And gluttony will lead to a hole. It's called obesity. And and what, they call it diabetes. Right? And that's because of sugars and foods and things. It doesn't mean that you're over... Well, it is diabetes. It's created through overweight, isn't it? Predominantly. Predominantly. It can be. There's the get out clause. It can be. Defensive, yeah. <laughs> but gluttony is a sin. It's a path. It's called your mouth. All food enters through the mouth. Not the eyes, the mouth. The eyes are the window that the mouth says, I'm having it. Gluttony. What about the path of the wicked? Wicked, the ones who plot, the ones who scheme, the ones who think. Evil things, wicked. What about the path of the violent? The path of the violent. 
Here's one for all Christians, the path of the lazy man. The path of the lazy man will lead to slumber and will lead to ruin. Sloth, sorry, well, sloth, slumber. It will, it will lead to ruin. It will lead to all your life being taken away from you because a lazy man who won't work can't eat. A lazy man who won't think and won't provide and a man who won't think of his future, guess what? Suddenly, it will be taken away. That's a path. What about the path of the, the ignorant? Oh, no, these are, these are all for Christians now. The path of the ignorant. If you're ignorant, you can't be taught. So if you can't be taught, you can't get yourself out of a hole. You can't learn. You can't progress if you're ignorant. What about disobedient, the path of the disobedient? Oh, the path of the disobedient is part, part of the ignorance. The disobedient, whatever you tell them, they're going to do it. Why? Because the disobedient thinks there's always a way that seems right rather than knowing the way that is right. Yeah? I'll try and play with it. I'll try and find another way so I don't have to submit. Okay, it's called disobedient. Let's call it what it is, the path of the disobedient. There's a path for those who dishonor. Those who dishonor people with their mouths, with their actions. There's a path that's going to check you out. Genesis chapter 49 verse 6 16 was talking of the tribe of Dan. Listen to what Dan was used for. When I said about, we're still on, on the path of the arrows here. Dan will provide justice for the people as one of the tribes of Israel. So there's his purpose. Dan will be a serpent by the roadside. A viper along the path that bites the horse's heels so that the rider tumbles backward. Now, is there any chance in God's green earth that God could use you as the viper in your environment to trip the wicked up, to expose the wicked? Is there any chance or any belief that God could use you as his instrument to show the wicked their wicked ways? Hello? You could be God's viper. And I don't think, don't get religious, viper means snake, snake means the devil. He's not talking about the devil here. He's talking about a snake and how a snake jumps up and catches the horse's heels and it causes the, the rider to fall off his horse. And when you're on the floor, do you know what you do when you're on the floor and you're down in a hole? You reconsider. When you're in a hole, you cry out. But if your words in your environment, in your family, in your work context, if your words and your lifestyle can become that instrument that causes those who are going to a foolish way for, to back up, throw them off the horse and reconsider, isn't that, what, isn't that the path we should all be on? Dan was used for that very, very purpose. Because there are many wicked people on a path. Proverbs 4.14 says, don't set, don't set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of the evil man. Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn to the right. Turn from it. Go the other way. For they cannot sleep till they do evil. They are robbed of slumber till they make someone fall. You know, the man who, who thinks of his evil plots his evil. They eat bread of wickedness and drink the wine. There are those who take the righteous path. Hopefully, all of us should be on that path. 2 Samuel 22, 
32 says, For who is God beside the Lord, and who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of the deer. Here it goes. He enables me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You give me a shield of victory. You stoop down and make me great. You broaden the path. When it looks like you have no options and life is trying to force you to take an alternative path, stay where you are. God will make the path under your feet wider so you don't have to turn. Hello? This is called being a representative in work. Many, many times when I used to work in my company, they tried to get me doing things that was not right, but I stood my ground. You know what God did? He made the path broader. God will back you when you back him. I'm telling you, he will. Now, here's the thing. You might want to write this down. The arrows of God are directed to you by the good Holy Spirit. By the good Holy Spirit. Not just by the Holy Spirit, by the good Holy Spirit. The arrows of God directed to you on your path are directed to you, sent to you by the good Holy Spirit. Why do I say the good Holy Spirit? Listen to what Nehemiah says. Nehemiah 9.20 says this. You gave your spirit to instruct them. You did not withhold your manner from their mouths. And, and you gave them water for their thirst. For, year, 30 years, sorry, for 40 years, you sustained them in the desert. They lacked nothing. You did not wear out, nor did their teeth were swollen. You gave them kingdoms and nations allotting to them, even the remotest frontiers. It says there in Nehemiah 20, you gave them your good Holy Ghost. He's good. The Holy Ghost is not just so holy, but he's good. He's good. He's on our side. He's given, he's given to us, for us, so that we can live this life clearer. If you don't have the Holy Ghost on your path, you're in trouble. You must have the Holy Ghost on your path. He's the one who's going to broaden that path. He's the one who's going to speak. He's the one who's going to strengthen. He's the one who's going to counsel you on that path. He's the one who's going, to, who's going to give you wisdom on that path to stay on that path. He's the one. If you don't know the Holy Ghost, I encourage you, spend time knowing the Holy Ghost, how he works, how he moves, how he speaks. That's why I've written in this manual, 28 days. Yes, we've changed the title, 21. We're gone to 28. Why? Because you can't do it in 21 days. And now we've repackaged it and rewritten, put loads of stuff in there that you never had before. A lot more stuff in there now. And one chapter is just how to hear God. Because one, the problems in Christian, Christianity, children, uh, the children of God do not know how to hear the voice of God. They think if the preacher's not preaching, they have no idea of how to hear. And even when the preacher's preaching, people still don't know how to hear the, the voice of God. They hear the voice of man. So we must find clear ways of how to hear God's voice so we can stay on the path. And he sends us his good Holy Ghost to do it. Amen, aren't you glad? The psalmist says in 119, direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. See, that's a different, there, there is a way that seems right. But here now, I've found a way that brings me delight. I have taken an oath, confirmed it, that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much, preserve my life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept, O Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws then I will constantly take my life 
then I constantly take my life in my hands and I will not forget your law. And here's the key. But there is a cry that must come from you when you're on your path. There's a cry that must come from you. And that's found in Proverbs 2, verse 3. We're coming to the end, don't worry. There's a cry that must come from you that will release arrows, God's arrows on your path. If you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure, now notice he didn't say just have a prayer. He says, cry. If you call out for insight, cry aloud for understanding, look for it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth, comes knowledge and understanding. He holds victory in store for the upright. He's a shield to those whose walk is blameless, for he guides the course of the just and protects the way of these faithful ones. Then you'll understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path, every good path, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. For every good path, Path. If you choose a good path, cry out for things. God will send you arrows. He'll give you insight. He'll give you understanding. And he'll give you wisdom for you to stay on that path. He says it in his word. He says it in his word. We can take it to the bank, Lord. I'm on a difficult path here. Men are trying to force me to do different things. People are trying to force me to go a different way. Lord, I cry out to you. Show me in your word, Lord, what I must do. Strengthen me, O oh Lord. Send an arrow from heaven. Fire it in my path. Show me in the scriptures what I must do, how I must stay on this path, Lord. Give me the key so that I can begin to launch it in prayer. Show me, Lord, what's in my boss's mind. Show me what's in the people's mind. Show me the evil that's towards me. Give me understanding, Lord. And as you begin to cry out like that, God begins to give you his wisdom of how to plot your way through. But that's only if you're willing, if you want to stay on this path. Finally, there's a plea and a warning given from wisdom as wisdom itself makes its plea to you. Proverbs 4, 6. So this is Mr. Wisdom now. Mr. Wisdom is speaking to you. And he's given his final, he's given his final address to you, the Dream Center, this morning. He's saying, before we sign off this morning, we conclude our message this morning on wisdom let me make my final appeal to my listeners. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I have not come to praise Caesar, but to bury him. But I'm not coming to bury you this morning. We're coming to praise wisdom. Amen. Do not forsake wisdom. She will protect you. Love her. And she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Esteem her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will, get, she will set a garland of grace on your head and will present you with a crown of splendor. Listen, my son, Accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. 
I guide you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you won't stumble. Hold on to instruction. Don't let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. Yes, it is. Don't set your foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn from it and go your own way. For they, for they cannot sleep till they do evil. They are robbed of slumber till they, make, till they make someone fall. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of, a, of violence. Wisdom is making its plea to us. It was showing, it's trying to teach us this morning how important wisdom is. So that, you know, when we, when we go back, wisdom's trying to teach us. That's wisdom right there. A small hole mended in in time. What time is that now? Here, right now. A small hole mended in time will become a much bigger, more difficult to mend. If you don't address some things today and fix some things today, what path has your mind been on? Right now, what path is your appetite on? We laugh about the cakes. You won't eventually. What path is your indulgences on? What path are your emotions on? What path is your thinking on right now? What path are you on? The path that you signed up for, are you still on it? And wisdom is making its plea to you this morning to change, radically modify the path you're on. Think about how you're going to finish this journey because if you've got a hole in your path right now and you don't fix it, there's the wisdom. Right there. Or right there. Can you see that, church? And it says this, a man who strays from the path of understanding comes to rest. Listen, this is so powerful. This is Proverbs 21, 16. Stick this on your fridge magnet. A man who strays from the path of understanding comes to rest in the company of the dead. Wow. 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 Don't forsake wisdom. She'll protect you. But when you, when you ignore wisdom, the man who strays from the path of understanding comes to rest in the company of the dead. Of the dead. But, but, Proverbs 12, 28 says, in the way of righteousness there is life, along the path is immortality. Along the path, I'm going from glory to glory. On this path, his word will quicken my mortal being. And as I stay on this path, I become indestructible. I become indestructible. The word cannot be shifted inside me. It cannot be shifted. I become indestructible. Why? Because I'm operating from the law of the seed that's inside me. Flesh and blood, we know, falls apart. We know it does. It will die. It will go to the grave. But what's inside me, the investment, the treasure that's inside me, the deposit gets stronger and stronger, and it becomes imperishable, indestructible. Amen? All this is 
about what path you're on. So my friends, this morning, let me ask you to consider what path are you on? What path is your thinking on? Thinking leads to stinking. You're stinking thinking. Church, I really want us to have a sober moment right now. If we can. Let's stand to our feet. Some of you may need to acknowledge this morning that there is a hole in your path. In the song, the nurse, I don't know if it's a nursery rhyme, but there's a hole in my bucket, dear Liza, dear Liza. In other words, something leaks. And if you, can't, if you don't fix the hole in the bucket, water will keep on coming out. It's, it's obvious. If I don't fix that hole, if it's not mended, and I keep trying to avoid it, and won't let God in, won't let people in, won't let my brothers, sisters help me, and all that kind of stuff, if you don't, you know, the one who's outside the hole needs to reach in and get you out. But you say, well, it's all right, I don't need you, I don't need you. Great, stay in the hole, stay in the hole. But guess what? Your hole's getting deeper and deeper and deeper until someone will no longer hear your cry. But God will hear your cry, but it'll be too late. And then you'll try and claim that scripture, he'll return the years the locust has eaten. Well, guess what? Why not be smart and don't let the locust eat your years? Let's get smart. Let's get smart. Never mind just saying, well, I'll, I'll, you know, the Lord will return the years. Guess what? What happens if he doesn't? What happens if you've got no more years left for him to return, to restore? What happens if your rebellion is at the end of your life and you expect, what's God going to do? Give you 40 years of rebellion back? Sorry. He'll give you forgiveness. But there's no more years left in your life for him to restore. So while we're young, while we're all good looking in this room, we've got some energy left in us, why don't we get smart and acknowledge the path that some of us are potentially on or have been going down if I don't fix it now, if I don't fix it today, if I don't fix it this week, if I don't begin to start the process of fixing it, it could potentially lead me to a bigger hole. Is that wisdom? It is wisdom. It is wisdom. So right now, just come before the Lord. Just have a sober moment. Just wait on the Lord for a minute and just say, Lord, you know, you, know, you don't have to search the files of your mind. You know straight away where you are. You know, where, you know where your life's at. You know where your mind's at. You know where your temptations are. You know where all those things are right now. So you don't have to say, Lord, Holy Spirit, show me if there's anything deep within me. If it's not in the forefront, ignore it. But if there's anything inside your heart right now that comes to mind, think, I better fix that. Yeah, I've been struggling in that area. I need to sort that out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then bring it before the Lord right now. Once you've acknowledged it, you are now responsible to take action. You, boast, you boasted this morning when you worshipped. You sang that prophetic song that said, you hold it all. Then you got, a little bit more, you got a little bit more giddy and you said, I love you, Lord. Then you got even more giddy and then you said, you, hold my, you, know, you have my life in your hands. Well, it, make good on your song. If that's the case, give it him and say, Lord, I need help. I have some holes. Holy Spirit, thank you for doing your work this morning. Thank you for showing me 
what needs, what holes I have in my life. Now it's up to you now to go and talk to someone to get the help. If you keep it within yourself, guess what? The chances are you created the hole on yourself and you'll continue doing that on yourself. You need to at least talk to someone, talk with someone quickly, because if you don't, the chances are you'll get human reasoning will come back into your mind and there will be a way that seems better. And in the end, it will lead to destruction. Remember, there's no joy in having death having company. You don't need a funeral this morning. So, Father, right now, we thank you for the word. Thank you for the word that's come into our spirit, that you've given us life. There isn't a way that seems better for us. There's only one way. There isn't alternatives. There isn't choices, oh God. We've realized that you are the way, the truth, the life. There is not options. There's not alternatives. Despite our friends, our peers, despite the media telling us there's a way that seems right to man. There is no way, oh God. We acknowledge before you the path of destruction is not our, our portion. We refuse to take the path. But we, we choose, oh God, to take the path of the most resistance rather than the least resistance. Because, Lord, we know that on the path of resistance, we know it's your path. Because if there was no resistance, Lord, it wouldn't be your path. So, Father, we're smart enough to know that you've put something in our hearts to know. You've put that compass in our hearts to be able to discern what's right and what's wrong. So, Lord, this day, this day before this day is finished and the sun goes down, Lord, help us to put our mind, our hearts right with you and put the plan into practice to bring wisdom onto our path. Help us to be bold enough to sit down and confront what needs confronting. It's great when we're in this presence, but outside, human reasoning will kick in. I guarantee it. And when the moment your human reasoning kicks in, there will be a way that will appear better. It seems right. It seems logic. It seems plausible. But in the end, well, we know where it goes. So I encourage you this week, church, to put what needs to be put right. Get on that path. You're saying, I love you, Jesus. I want to give my life to you. That was the start. Okay, but where are you now? So, Father, thank you for this week. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the time we've had in the house. Lord, I pray this week that we'll go out and live this. Give us the opportunity. Give us the eyes to see those in our environment. Help us to be that viper, to arrest the conscience of, of our friends, our work colleagues who are going in the wrong way. Help us to arrest them by our lives and our words. Give us the boldness to speak to them in a Christ-like way. In Jesus' name, amen.